Pastor Evans' word, I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the spirit of God who is here. I pray that he will lead and guide me into all truth. I pray that God's people will have open hearts to receive the engrafted word that you have prepared just for them. And I thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders following our lives as we surrender our lives completely to you. I thank you, Father. No weapon formed against any person who's watching or listening will prosper. And I declare in the mighty name of Jesus that our lives will be better than it was before we heard the word today. And I thank you, Father, that our lives will be a symbol of grace when people see us and encounter us. They will know that something different is about us. And I thank you that today you're going to speak to our hearts in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I've been using November as what I call shotgun month. It has not been a month, uh, as far as sermons are concerned, that are tied to a series. And so the different messages that I've been doing are going to just come from, uh, from my heart and from areas that I feel God wants to minister to us. And every person born, everybody say every person. Every person that's born has a God-ordained purpose and calling. Every person. And one of the biggest struggles in life, I believe, is to discover what God's calling and purpose is for our lives. And then if, even if we discover that, it's trusting God enough to accept the call. I also find that most people struggle to believe, watch this now, that they are fully equipped to do whatever God has for them to do. And so if you're taking notes or if you'd like a copy of the notes and you didn't get one, raise your hand and our ushers will give you a copy of today's notes, which will have all the scriptures and all the points to it. We have some hands up in the front, some over here. Uh, and so if you're taking notes, our message title today is called and qualified. Everybody say called and qualified. So I'm going to jump right into the message today so we won't lose any time. And so point number one, if you're taking notes today, is you had spiritual ID before you had physical ID. You know, when you go somewhere, if you're trying to use a credit card and they want to verify that you are who you say you are, then a lot of times they will ask you to pull out your your ID. And so you and I had spiritual ID before we had physical ID. In other words, listen, God knew you before your mother grew you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about my mama. 
Already the message just started. He talked about my mama. Yes, God knew you before your mother grew you. So here's what I'm going to do. Our focus verse today is a familiar passage of scripture, which is in Jeremiah chapter 1. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version. And I'm going to start in verse 1. And then I'm going to read 1 through possibly 4. So it says here, the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah said. He says in verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, watch what he says. He says, I knew you. Look at your neighbor and say, God knew you. Notice what he said to Jeremiah. Before he was even formed in his mother's womb, God said, I knew you. And then he says, before you were born, everybody say, I had spiritual ID. Before receiving physical ID. He says, before you were even born, I sanctified. And that word sanctified means to appoint, to consecrate, and to prepare. He says, before you were even born, I appointed and consecrated and prepared you. And then he turns around and says, and I ordained you. That word ordained means to set. And I like the second word. It means to assign. He says, I've assigned you to to be a prophet to the nations. Notice that God did a sanctifying, a consecrating, a preparation, and then he did the ordaining. Now, you know, in the natural, sometimes we ordain people, but really your original ordination came from God, not man. He says, I ordained you to profit to the nation. And based on what we just read, listen, God knew Jeremiah And he knew that he had a purpose for Jeremiah before Jeremiah hit the womb. Now listen, I'm going to read Isaiah chapter 49 verse 1 because there is something familiar in that verse that we just read. He says, listen, O isles unto me and hearken you people from afar. The Lord has called me. Who called me? The Lord has called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother has he made mention of my name. Listen to the New Living Translation. He says, listen to me, all you in distant lands, pay attention. Look at your neighbor and say, pay attention. He says, pay attention, you who are far away. The Lord called me before my what? Birth from within the womb. He called me by my name. Wow. God knew us before we were even conceived in our mother's womb. And here's the, the, here's what makes abortion so wrong. And this is not a political statement. I'm just going to give you a biblical perspective on abortion. It's wrong because listen, you are aborting a person who has a God given purpose and you're doing it for your convenience. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about situations where there's life-threatening consequences or there was a, a real need for an abortion to take place. I'm just talking about when you decided to just snuff out somebody's life without giving that person an opportunity to say something about it. Now, I'm not condemning anybody who's ever had an abortion because thank God for the blood. Because the blood doesn't just forgive you for your sins, it cleanses you from unrighteousness. Meaning that uh, not only does he forgive what I did, he helps me feel better about having done it. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Now listen, but but see, here's the thing. Think about it like this, because I thought about this. 
Because we, in our culture and generation, we figure, hey, if it feels good, we can just do it. So we don't keep or maintain a biblical perspective when it comes to abortion. We don't do that because it's based on, on, on convenience. But here's a question that I have for you. What if Mary had aborted Jesus? Where would you and I be? Say amen to that. Here's the thing that I do know. The best time to kill purpose is in conception, infant, or the childhood stage. That's the best time to kill any form of purpose. And that's why I remember Moses. Moses was the first emancipator in the Bible. But there was a decree to kill him and all the other Hebrew boys uh, when they were born. Jesus, our Savior, was targeted by Pharaoh. Why? Because the Bible says uh, that they tried to kill everybody from two years on under. Why? They were trying to kill Jesus. Why? Because the best time to kill purpose is when you are in an infant or a childhood stage. And this is why a lot of times people, watch this now, at a young age experience trauma. And that trauma is negative. I mean, it is a negative impact on them. Why? Because... The devil wants to get you when you're little when you can't defend yourself. The enemy wants your traumatic experience. Listen to this, church, because trauma is a big deal these days. People are talking about trauma. Well, the enemy wants your trauma experience to outweigh your born-again experience. I'm going to say that again. The devil wants your traumatic experience, whatever you went through, he wants that to weigh more on you than your born-again experience. In other words, he wants you to have gone through uh, what you've gone through. He wants that to mean more to you than where God's taken you. And that's why people end up in their past. They stay stuck. And anytime, sometimes, listen, what means more to us, we focus the most on it. So whatever traumatic experience you've had, When you were younger, listen, don't let the effects of it outweigh the effects of the cross. I know what happened to you was real. But guess what, church? The effects of the cross was real too. I know what happened to you. You know, it caused you some pain. But guess what? The cross caused Jesus some pain. Amen. And so I'm talking about this because... A lot of times we let what we've gone through to disqualify us from what God's called us to do. Amen. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Listen, don't equalize what happened to you to what Christ did for you. They're not on the same playing field. Because if you don't watch it, you will let what you've gone through to outweigh what Jesus has done for you. And then that, listen, now the, the, the benefits of the cross gets nullified because I have raised it higher than I've raised, I've raised my traumatic experience higher than what God has really done in my life. So what the enemy does, he tries to cause us to focus so much on the pain that we lose focus on purpose. And here's the thing, everyone who's been ordained by God, who's been called by God has purpose. And the only way we can discover that purpose is through Jesus Christ. And this is why Jesus is a big deal. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is a big deal. No, he's a big deal. And this is why 
our society is slowly moving away. They'll let you pray, but don't pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's why there are big events and let's say they want to remember somebody. It's just a moment of silence. They don't want you to pray nothing. They don't want you to say nothing. Amen. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, they're going to put it on the screen. Watch what Paul said to Timothy. He says, be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. He said, but I want you to be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. Watch verse 9, which is the focus. He says, God has saved us. He's called us. And watch this. God has saved us and called us with what kind of calling? A holy calling. And this holy calling that we have... It's not according to our works. It's not according to what we've done. He says, but it's according to, watch this, God's own purpose and grace. God has purpose and grace for us. And watch this, this is what he says, which was given to us in Christ. So you and I can't access this purpose and we can't access this grace without Jesus Christ being in our life. Everybody say, Jesus is a big deal. He's a big deal. My connection to Jesus gave me access to purpose. And here's the thing, everybody in God, listen, you know, First Lady and I, we were talking this past weekend, and one of the things that I said was, everybody is God's creation, but not everybody is God's son or daughter. Amen. The world wants to say that God is their father, but he's not their father. He's only their creator unless they've been, watch this, engrafted in divine through Jesus Christ. Jesus is not a way. He is the way. He is the truth and he is the life. He said, no man can come to the father but by me. That's why Buddha won't work. Buddha can't connect you. No, 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 no. Because the only way to the father is through the son, Jesus Christ. Amen. A person must be born again to get into God's family. God does not have grandchildren. How many of grandparents? Grandparents, remember, see your hand? Grandparents? Yeah, you know, I don't know. All the rules of parenting go away when you become a grandparent. Everything that you would not let your kids do, for some reason you have amnesia and you let Johnny do it all. Man, my mama wouldn't let us eat candy till we was about in the eighth or ninth grade. She didn't know I snuck to the candy house when I went to school, though. Right? But man, our grandchildren, we let them do it all. Here's the thing. God don't have grandchildren. You can only come in through uh, Christ as a son or daughter. Listen to the Living Bible translation. Because, see... Once we're born again, we can access God's purpose for our life. So it says, so now, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith in his promises, we have, we can have real peace with him. Everybody say real peace. Real peace with him because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Verse 2. For because of our faith, he has brought us into the highest place Watch this, of privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to actually becoming, watch this, all that God has in mind for us to be. In other words, Christ church has positioned us to receive all of what God has called us to be. You can't get that outside of Christ. And if we truly believe that, 
then we would surrender to whatever that purpose is. We will surrender. But I find it hard to surrender to who we can't trust. And a lot of us have had a, God has got a bad rap from a lot of people. You know, when I grew up, one of the things, when I got saved, I was like, God, please don't send me to Africa. Right? Because in my mind, I thought everything that I don't want to do in life is what God's going to make me do. Say amen to that. See, everybody has gifts. Everybody has talents. Everybody has abilities. And watch this. Those things came from God because he put it in them before they were born. And even if a person never connects to Jesus Christ, God doesn't take back the gifts and the callings he has on their life. Amen. I mean, what a wasted life if I use God's gifts and talents, but I never use them for him. This is why people that can sing, but they don't glorify God in their singing. God don't take their ability to sing from them. Amen. The amplified version of Romans eleven twenty nine says, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them from whence they are given. And he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. Thank God for that. God doesn't change his mind, even though we might change our mind. You know, last week I said something. We were talking about Jonah. And I said this. I said, God did not release Jonah from his assignment just because Jonah didn't want to do it. See, God, God ain't like us. Have your kids, you know, you, you ever ask them to do something and you got tired of asking them multiple times. So you just said, okay, I'll just do it. God don't do that. No, no, no. He's going, whatever calling he has on your life, whatever purpose he has for your life, it's going to stay there. And you know what? He waits for us to say, yes, 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 Lord. My soul say yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We didn't sing that as Presbyterians. You can tell by I started on the wrong note, right? God, listen, he didn't release Jonah from the assignment just because Jonah didn't want to do it. And sometimes we think that God's going to just let us skate through life and be like, well, no, I still, listen, because I discovered that it's better to obey God because whatever he's got me to do is going to make me happy eventually. Amen. Most people never, watch this, feel qualified by God because they use carnal reasoning to embrace a spiritual call. I'm going to say that again. I said most people, everybody say most people. Most people never feel qualified by God because they are using carnal reasoning to embrace a spiritual call, which brings us to point number two, which is carnal reasoning will always short circuit a spiritual calling. Carnal reasoning will always short circuit a spiritual calling. Let's go back to now Jeremiah's response to God. Let's go back to Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4. Because I want you to see what what Jeremiah's response to God was. It said, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And then verse 6, watch what Jeremiah's response was. He says, oh Lord, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. 
Jeremiah's response is most people's response when God wants to use them. They compare the spiritual call to their carnal limitations. Oh God, I can't do that. He said, I'm a child. Remember we read Isaiah 49.1? Well, I'm going to read it again, but I left out the next verse or previous uh, following verses because this person's response, Isaiah, was the same response. He says, listen to me, all you in distant lands. Pay attention to you who are far away. The Lord's called me before my birth. Listen to what he's saying. From within the womb, he called me by my name. He made my words of judgment as a sharp sword. He has hid me in the shadow of his hand. I'm like a sharp arrow in his quiver. And then it says, God said to him, he said, you are my servant, Israel. You will bring me glory. Watch his response. I responded and said, but my work seems so useless. I have spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. In other words, most people's perspective of God's call is being measured by their flesh. Listen, when God uses your flesh from the sense of he has to because we live in the earth realm and the earth has to have something physical with it, right? Well, here's the problem. You cannot compare a spiritual call to your flesh. You always come up short. You always be like, well, I don't, I don't think I can do that. Well, one of the things that the apostle Paul did when he got called by Jesus is that he did not, listen church, expect flesh to confirm the spirit. I'm going to say that again. He did not expect flesh to confirm the spirit. Listen to the New Living Translation of Galatians chapter 1 verse 13. He says, you know what I was, what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. He says, I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. Watch verse 15. But even before I was born, there's that term. He said, God did what church? God chose me and God did what? And God called me and he did that by his marvelous grace. And then it says, then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Watch what happened now. He says, when this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being. See, a lot of times when God speaks to us, when God wants us to do something, we immediately look for somebody in the flesh to confirm what God has told us. And listen, God don't need flesh to confirm spirit. What God does is he uses spirit to confirm spirit. But what we do is we look for flesh. So that's why we look for, uh, give me a prophetic word. Well, a lot of times it ain't a prophetic word. It's a pathetic word because you shouldn't need it. Now, do I believe in the prophetic word? Absolutely, I prophesy. But not to the point where, listen, if you have a need to confirm a spiritual call from a fleshly person, guess what? Then you must not believe that you were called and ordained by God because Paul said he was called and God chose him and God called him. Listen to the King James version of that verse. I like it. He said, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, watch this, to reveal his son in me that I might preach among the heathen. He says, watch what he says. I immediately, I conferred not with flesh and blood. I love that. In other words, Paul did not allow 
carnal reasoning to shortcut his spiritual calling. And many people, you look at maybe your background like Gideon did. Man, my, my family, my tribe, we're the least among the Israelites. Why is God choosing me? Or you may look at your family lineage and say, well, you know, everybody in my family was on welfare. Great granny was on welfare. Granny was on welfare. Mama was on welfare. And it looks like I'm going down that road. But my question is, what family lineage are you going to allow to dictate your life? Jesus didn't die for you to be on welfare and stay on welfare. Say amen, church. Amen, amen, amen. Which now takes us to our third point. Because most people, when you let carnal reasoning short-circuit your spiritual calling, you will never feel worthy to what God has called you to do and equipped you to do. And you may say, well, Pastor Evan, isn't feeling worthy of of a call, a form of pride? Well, only if your worthiness comes from a place where you earned it. See, you can't earn a call. It's by grace are we saved. And most people don't feel worthy of God's call. Listen, because they didn't have to do anything to earn it. And this is why most people, they can't approach God's call from an earning perspective. See, everything we want to get in life is because we earned it. But see, God's call, you can't earn that. It's given to you and I by grace. You can't earn the call. But watch this. But you can receive the call. And most people, they because we haven't earned it, we don't feel like we're worthy of it. Well, let me tell you something. You don't earn the call. God gives you the call. And all you have to do is re- See the call. So uh I want to take a young person. Give me a young person. Let me see here. Uh Okay, you got your hand up. Come on up here, sweetie. Y'all give her a hand clap as she comes. She's coming willingly. Look, look. She's running, running to Jesus. Tell him all about your trouble. Okay, now, there's two things she had to do to come up here. She had to first be willing, right? And then she had to get up because I asked her to come here. I didn't go to her. She had to get up out of her seat and she had to come here. Do you agree? Okay. So now I I want you to do three jumping jacks for me. You know what a jumping jack is? Do three of them for me. Do three of them. One, two, three. Okay, good. All right. All right. All right. Now, um, let me see what else I want you to do. I I want you to go and give that young man in that sweater right there a high five right there. Yeah. Stand up and give her a high five. All right, she ran to do it too. I like that. Don't hurt yourself. We don't have insurance, okay? <laughs> okay, so watch this. Uh, I am going to give her $40 for doing that. Thank you. You can go to your seat. She earned that $40. Can y'all agree she earned that? She earned that. Okay, okay. See, God's call ain't like that. You can't earn a call. You receive a call. Here's the difference. The same thing. She's going to get the same blessing, but but guess what's going to happen now? I'm going to her. (laughs) 
Now, who did all the work that time? Uh, what did she have to do, church? She didn't have to do nothing but what? Receive. And when God's got a call on your life, all you got to do is just receive the call. Well, I'm not worthy. Receive the call. You don't know what I've done. Receive the call. Because when he called you, he equipped you. Everything you need to do in the call, he put on the inside of you. You're not, listen, everything you need is on the inside. Say amen to that. When God sees you and I, see, here's the thing. If you stay at your natural thought level, you will never see what God sees. When God sees you, listen, church, he sees the Christ in you. He's not seeing you. He's seeing the Christ in you. And this is why he said we can do how many things? All things. Why? Because he's viewing us through the lens of his son. He's not viewing us through the call with the lens of our flesh. He's viewing us with the lens of his son. While the devil is constantly trying to keep us looking through the lens of our past. So while the devil's trying to get us to look through the lens of our past, God is looking through the lens of his son. Amen. And God is trying to get us to look at life through the lens of his blood. And that's why ignorance is the believer's biggest enemy. Everybody say ignorance. It just means without knowledge. Because listen, you can't walk in what you don't know. And that's why Hosea 4, 6 said, my people are destroyed for lack of what? Lack of knowledge. The New Living Translation says, my people are destroyed because they don't know me. Listen to the message translation. My people are ruined because they don't know what's right or true. In other words, listen, you and I must grow our soul in order to walk in the spirit. I'm going to say that again. We must grow our souls to walk in the spirit. And this is why renewing the way we think is so critical because it aligns our mental state with God's spiritual reality. See, God has a spiritual reality. But you and I, we must adjust our thinking. We must renew. Everybody say renew. We must renew our thinking. And the only way to know and prove what God's will is, is if we recondition how we think. You got to literally now begin to think, okay, I want to think like God thinks. That's why Romans 12, I'm reading in the New Living Translation. He says, and dear brothers, I plead you to give your bodies to God because for all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Watch verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, let God, let him do what? Transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and well-pleasing. The word is the only thing that can separate your soul from your spirit. And this is why I push you to learn the word. Because heaven and earth is going to pass away, but the word ain't going to pass away. Listen, your, the word of God is where you get your ID from. Your ID don't come from your blood type. It doesn't come from your family lineage. It doesn't come from your genealogy. It comes from the word of God. Amen. 
So now I'm going to go down to our last point, which is point number three, and that is you and I are completely equipped on the inside to do everything we need to do on the outside. Because there's some people God's been calling you, and you haven't been answering. You know, they got these new, uh, they got the doorbell cameras now. And, and so you, you already know they on your porch before they ring the doorbell. Well, see, God's been calling us and we haven't been answering because, watch this, we don't feel worthy. Or most of us, and I'll show you at the end, we don't know how to respond. Here's the excuse we have. Well, I don't know what God's called me to do, so I, I, when I know, I'll do. Well, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, I'm closing. It says, all scripture, everybody say all scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And this scripture is profitable for doctrine. It's, proof, uh, it's profitable for reproof. It's profitable for correction. And then it gives us instruction in righteousness. Here's verse 17, the focus verse. He says that the man of God may be perfect. And I want you to pay attention to this next word. Because the next word in the King James is throughly furnished unto all good works. It didn't say thoroughly. Now, some of y'all's versions might say thoroughly, but the, 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 the Greek word there is not thoroughly, it's truly. You say, what's the difference? He said but that the man of God may be perfect, watch this, truly furnished unto all good works. In other words, all the good works God's called you to do is coming from the inside out. He's put on the inside of you everything you need to do. It's not coming from the outside in, it's coming from the inside out. Say amen to that. So you and I are called and we are fully equipped. What's our biggest hindrance? Well, we're closing with Jeremiah chapter 1. Let's go back. Let's see what Jeremiah's biggest hindrance was. It says, then the word of the Lord came to him. He says, before before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nation. Then I said, oh Lord, behold, I can't speak for I am a youth. Here's the next verse we didn't read. Let's see how the Lord responded to him. But the Lord said to him, do not say I am a youth. For you shall go to all who I send you and whatever I command you is what you're going to speak. In other words, listen, what God was saying to Jeremiah by correcting him. He says, you must get in agreement with what God says by stop saying what he didn't say. I'm going to say that again. We must get in agreement with what God says by stop saying what he has not said. That's why Amos 3.3 3 say, can two walk together unless they're in agreement? And see, most of us, listen, your spiritual agreement is solidified when your verbal agreement is vocalized. I'm going to say that again. Your spiritual agreement. See, how do you know you're in agreement with God? Well, your spiritual agreement is solidified when your verbal agreement has been verbalized. So how do we apply the word today? Number one, you must decide that your relationship with God is more real than how you feel. How many ever woke up and you didn't feel saved? Didn't feel saved? Didn't feel saved? So here's my question. How does feeling saved feel anyway? Yeah, woke up, didn't feel married. What does not feeling married feels like? I don't know, but don't try it. <laughs> so first we must decide that our relationship with God is more real than how we feel. Here's number two. You must say yes to God's call and purpose. Watch this church, even if you don't know what it is. 
Do you know it's easier for God to download his purpose into someone who has already said yes than to try to convince somebody to say yes so he can download it? And then here's number three. You and I must change what we say to match what God has said. And so there's some people today with every head bowed and every eye closed. There's some people, God's been knocking on your door. He's knocking. And some of you all are saying, well, I'm already at that level. I've already accepted the call. I've already said yes. But see, what you don't know is that you never stop saying yes to Jesus. Because to go to any new level, to any next level, you have to say yes. So what are you saying no to that you need to be saying yes to? Are you spiritually stuck at a level because you you haven't said yes again? I had to say yes to get saved. I had to say yes to be, to be a preacher, to preach the gospel. I had to say yes to go to Bible school. I had to say yes to become a pastor. I had to say yes to quit my job. I had to say yes to start this church. I had to say yes to build a building and not buy one. I've had to say yes so many different times along the way. Here's my question. What's your next yes? What's your next yes? Holy Spirit, I pray right now that whatever each person's next yes is, they will say yes. They will say yes. Right there at your seat. Say yes. Hallelujah. Last week I preached about we're in the midst of a test where your test today is to say yes. That's your test. Holy Spirit, I thank you for taking what has been said and translating it in a way that every person can know exactly what you're saying to them. And I pray that every person will say yes who needs to say yes in Jesus' name? Whatever he is still about, here's my question. If you die today, are you 100% sure?